Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversations and to use them to help you recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Mark Carolyn, who, after a successful corporate career of over 20 years, Mark made an escape following his passion for helping people to launch his own coaching and public speaking business. Mark has lived the transformation he now helps his clients through from health to mindset to finding a true sense of purpose and well-being in his life in order to live in line with his values. As a speaker, Mark is engaging, personal and entertaining, speaking regularly on a multitude of topics such as self-care, motivation, designing your life and managing change. As a coach, Mark is absolutely passionate about what he does and passionate about people. He sees the best possible version of every client he coaches and helps them to see and become this future self. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Mark Carolyn. Rhonda, thank you very much. Delighted to be here today. I am so pleased to have my first Irish guest on my show. Oh, great. Great. What an honor. What an honor. So what was it like for you in the corporate world compared to what you're doing right now? Wow, that is a hell of a starting question, Rhonda. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually said to my wife last night, I actually said to her, I said, if I knew what I've learned in the last couple of years, and if I knew this in the corporate world, I would have been a completely different person, and a completely different employee. Right. So I suppose then the reverse of that is the answer to your question. It was stressful. It was and um, long 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 hours now look at I work for myself so I do long hours too but it okay. was pressure all the time it was endless relentless would be a great word that I'd use to describe it as well but I suppose a lot of that was because I wasn't managing it well I wasn't managing the time well I wasn't managing the job well I wasn't managing my own boss well a lot of those kind of things which as I said if I if I learned if I knew then what I know now I, I, I'd probably be CEO, CEO of the companies I was working for Mm-hmm. So what what ignited a change in you? Um, I, I suppose the change has been coming for a long time, Rhonda. Um, okay. My wife would always have been saying to me, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I, in fact, I'd meet friends and I might have met them for a while and they would ask me what I'm doing. I'd nearly be embarrassed telling them I'm still in the corporate world because they'd always say the same thing to me. What are you doing there? Why are you there? Look, I was I was good at my job, despite the fact that I was under pressure, you know, I was managing mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of teams across different countries. And there were certain aspects I was quite excelled at, but I knew I couldn't keep doing it. And actually, I had a, an epiphany. It was sitting there on a it was about 11 o'clock at night. So I was working away again. And um, it just dawned on me if I did not change what I'm doing, then this was my life until I retired. And that frightened me even more than the idea of making a change. 
Okay, there you go. Right. Mm. So it was it was quite 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 sharp, and because you know we tend to not think about the future in that way. We tend to kind of muddle through our days, especially when we're doing things like this that have us so busy. But if right. we kind of look and see that, well, in five years time, if I'm still doing this thing, how am I going to feel? If I feel like this today, well, then you can really see a problem coming down the line. And it was just, I was, it was actually, it was, I remember that it was about the 21st of November, I think it was. And I was just sitting there and I just said, I can't, I can't, I can't do this any longer. Now look, I didn't change the next day. No. I didn't change the day after. I changed about two months later, but it just actually was the catalyst the thing that finally pushed me to start making the change. Mm-hmm. And so how did you know what to change to? Did it take that two months to sort of uh, figure out what you really did want to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I suppose I kind of was very clear on my values. And okay. What would be values for me would be looking after people, serving people, autonomy in my life, the ability to be there for my family were very important things. And there were things that I took into what, how I worked anyway. Like anyone I was ever manager of would always come back to me and always have a great relationship with because I always looked after people very well. And, and, and look, I was brought up like that. How you treat people is so important. I come from a background of a small country shop in Ireland originally. So from, a, from the age of about six, I was standing behind the counter learning how to work with people, learning how to treat people. Oh. And, you know, you learn very quickly how to treat people right and the difference in treating people right and wrong. And um, for me, I kind of knew that I needed to help people in some way, shape or form. I needed to serve people. And like in actual fact, I said this to a friend of mine and I said this to my brother about five or six years before this. I said, if I ever change what I'm doing, what I want to be doing is making people, changing people's lives and motivating people. That's what I want to do. And I had no idea how, I had no idea why, but that was ingrained in the back of my head. Okay. I think it found its way out. <laughs> through this. Yes. Um, so I slipped then into this world of coaching. I actually, I actually was working with a coach and... And when I wasn't, I was working with a coach because at work, you could get a free coaching session. And I was thinking, this is, this is, this is something very interesting here. This is something very interesting. And I jumped into the call and she was like, so how are you? I was like, well, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm okay. She's like, well, what's going on for you? How's your health? Perfect. Yeah. Look after myself. I eat right. I do all these things. She's like, but what, why are you here? What are you doing? Yes. I said, I know why I'm here. I'm here because I want to know what you do and how you do it. Okay. That was my catalyst. And I had this fantastic conversation with this lady. And in fact, I still touch base with her every couple of months. We jump onto a call just to have a chat to see how things are for, for both of us. She's kind of become a little bit of a mentor and a little bit of a, a guide through this whole world as well over the last few years. And that was my catalyst. I realized this is what I need to do. And this is where, this is where I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. And so what was your next step? Did you go in, did you go into uh, courses? What, what did you do? Yeah. So I am a certified life coach, a certified life leadership and executive coach um, okay I'm, I'm also a certified corporate well-being coaching consultant and um, that's because part of my motto was always you know when I was in the corporate world I always intended changing it and mm-hmm. um, so I didn't manage to change it from the inside now I'm going to go back and change it from the outside is my plan but um, and I also qualified as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner too right and um, so I got all these qualifications you know while I was still working and um, but I but also somebody made a good point to me that I've actually been coaching for 20 years and sometimes you don't think about it because no. that's what I was doing in the corporate world in terms of managing people you know I'd regularly be working with people who didn't get promotion helping them through that working with people through personal issues that was affecting their day-to-day work 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in essence, my coaching experience goes back probably about 22 years in total is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. And so did you wait until you had some clients before you actually left the corporate world or did you um, just jump right into it? I jumped right in. I got my qualifications and I just put myself out there. Um, and look, I went, I got referrals from people I knew who started sending some people I knew that they knew towards me. Obviously, as I started, I wasn't charging very much money for, for coaching. I was picking up experience, picking up hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as, as it goes, you know, once you start doing something, you start doing well with it, you get referrals, suddenly more people are coming your way and things right. begin to find their own rhythm. And um, I began to get more and more clients on that basis. So it was, I, it was, it was from zero. I just started zero. And now look, it's been some journey. <laughs> it's very brave to do that though. I mean, a lot of people don't have the courage to make that change. And to follow a different path. I mean, people will change jobs, but I mean, you went from the corporate world into your own world because now you are also a business person and an entrepreneur as well. And and that was a hell of a part of the learning curve, Rhonda, because I right? didn't understand what it was to be an entrepreneur. I, someone, as someone who's in the corporate world, who your work is always going to be there. You know, you never have to find you never have to find work if you're in the corporate world. You know, right. it's going to find There's you. There's too much work too. in the corporate world. Yeah, it's it's going to find you. Whereas, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you also don't have to find you don't have to find work per se. You'll always find something to do. But a lot of what you're trying to do is find the work itself. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been a huge learning curve, and and putting myself out there in so many places and so many spaces. And um, I know we met through the uh, Your Holistic Academy. Yes, uh, beautiful academy. A lovely, yes, yeah, a lovely space, a lovely space to to communicate and to be in. And, sure is. And mm-hmm. so I've met people through there. I've collaborated with people through there. I've, you know, I do my own work. I've started doing talks in companies. I was doing talks in loads of different companies as well. And. It just keeps branching out and branching out. And mm-hmm. the you're a Toastmaster. Oh, you're a Toastmaster I, as well, right? I am indeed, yes. I yeah. am too. I am a Toastmaster. Oh, well met, fellow Toastmaster. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so have you ever come across someone who is uncoachable? Are their ideas so ingrained in them that they don't feel or they, they protect themselves from change? Have you come across that? Mm, that's a very good question, Rhonda. I I believe everyone needs a coach, mm-hmm. but everyone's not ready for coaching. Okay. That can be a real challenge with some people. And I have come across a couple of clients. I've one well, had one client in particular, and she had everything built up and built up and built up that nothing could change it. And the reason uh-huh. why she came to me was referred by by a person I'd worked with, and she told me she had tried every single thing under the sun to try and help her and she hadn't tried coaching now she was very very pessimistic about everything and a very very negative mindset which can be hard from a coaching perspective because mm-hmm. it's very hard to get someone to start looking forward and looking into the future when they're so negative and so entrenched in this right. and but the challenge then is to try and maybe take people out of the narrative in their head and try and take mm-hmm. them into their heart and then uh-huh. start trying to get them to feel their way through different things okay. and then they can open up in a little bit and it's a challenging beliefs as well because an awful lot of the reason why we say the world is negative is because we build beliefs around certain things 
Right. Start looking at those and start breaking them down. Once we begin to open up that little bit, suddenly the chink of light can open everything up for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And going into your heart and feeling at that level changes your whole physiology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the body doesn't lie. And the emotions are also trying to tell us the truth. But okay. we don't like to listen to them. Mm-hmm. We don't like to listen to them. I was only working with a girl the other day and she actually said to me, I was trying to, it was, it was a challenging coaching session and I was trying to help her through stuff. And she said, no, no, I don't feel my emotions. I, I, I don't want to know what my emotions are telling me. I was like, well, well, if you don't want to know what they're telling you, then, then how are we going to help you? You know, we have to, we have to look, mm-hmm. we have to open up, we have to delve into it. And I think a lot of people do that. You know, we, we block the emotions because we distract ourselves. We, we negative coping mechanisms because we're not ready for it. We don't want to know, yeah. but we can't make any changes until we step in and accept what's there and start moving forward through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. A, it, it can be a difficult process uh, right at the very beginning. And a lot of people don't realize that they're what they say is what they're bringing to them. A lot of people give their power away in their speech and they don't even recognize that they're doing it because they've been doing it for so long. And the best thing to do sometimes is get a tape recorder out. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's funny you should say that around it because that's what I become for a lot of my clients. I become a little tape recorder for them. When I start working together, I am am, um, judicial on language i'm absolutely judicial on language and what they're saying and what words they're using and, and a couple of sessions in they'll say things like oh i just have to and i go wait and they'll stop themselves and I go okay i know that my language doesn't mean anything and they'll start auto correcting um, yes. because they're sitting in front of me and they begin to realize what that's doing yes uh yeah and that's right uh, you're reflecting back to them who they're portraying themselves to you and when they and you become their window and when you become their window then they can recognize it and sometimes even when people recognize it they still don't understand how changing their speech will change their behavior change their outlook and change their energy yeah, no, completely. I think it takes a little bit of time, but I think what I love about it, my, my, my motto was always about coaching here is about action. We're not here just to talk about stuff. Right. We can, we can go down, we can have a drink together and we can talk for hours if you really want. But what we want to do is we want to change something. We want to drive something through. Ah, okay. And was like, I just need to, and I just might, and, and I should, and I, all this. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's empty language. It is. It's like, it's like my, my wife made a great point to me. I'm always saying I might, I might, I might. And she said to me a while ago, after I said I might do something, she said, no, you won't. Well, what do you mean? She goes, because well, every time <laughs> you say you might, you mean you're not going to, but you like the idea of it. And it was 100%. And it's so true. And so I love I love when I'm working with people that I catch that and we change the language. So instead of when somebody says to me, I just need to, I said, don't tell me that. Tell me what you're going to do. Tell me when you're going to do it. And then let's make a plan. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And, 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 and once they do it once, it's easier to do it the next time and the time after that. Do you find? Yeah. And it's because... The whole point is self-awareness, Rhonda. You cannot change what you're not aware of. You can't yeah. change it all. And 
so many people who step into a coaching space or whatever space they step into to try and examine themselves, they'll, they have all these things that they do. Somebody said to me yesterday, I'm so busy. I have no time for anything. And then we start breaking down your day bit by bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And then you start saying, actually, this is time and this is time and this is time I don't even need to use at all. You know, we, we, we don't see it because we're not aware of it because we're just floating along through it. So once mm-hmm. we become conscious of these things and suddenly we have a choice and, and everything is about choice. Because once you're choosing, you're, you've got the power. Right. That's powerful. Because mm. once, once, once you bring it back to that, once you find in any position, in any situation, the choice that you can make, then you're in control of your life. If you look at your life and you look at it from the point of view that it's happening to you, then yes. you're not in control. Yes. So you have to be the one that's making it happen. And now look, you cannot control external circumstances. That's absolutely understandable. Right. People sure. find in situations where choice can seem to be very limited. And that is absolutely true. In fact, you can find yourself in a situation where there's no choice at all, it would seem. Right. But you still have a choice in your attitude. You still have a choice in how you think about that. Beautiful. As, as difficult as people find that, you could go back to um, um, Man's Search for Meaning, that wonderful book by... Yes. His name is come for me now for some reason. Um, the inventor of logotherapy. And that's his point about, you know, when you kind of change the situation, you're challenged to change yourself. And it's, um, it's, it's absolutely, and, and to be honest with you, I learned that when I was younger and I learned that, that lesson from my father, mm-hmm. uh, Miranda. He, he was very ill with cancer for many years um, before he passed. And I was in the house with him one, one night and the local priest came to the house and said to him, he'd like to have a mass room. My father said, why? He goes, because, you know, you've got cancer. And he says, yeah, but so does that person down there and that person there and they have cancer too. So why, why for me? You know, mm-hmm. so I didn't understand that level of selflessness. And then he added by saying, why shouldn't I be the one that has cancer? And I was thinking, look, I was 22 or so at this time and a very immature young man. And I, I mm-hmm. couldn't comprehend this kind of statement. Mm-hmm. But as I reflected on it over the years and began to understand it, it was very much just accepting of the situation. Instead of rebelling against it, instead of being angry, you know, saying Fighting. this should be me, it's just, okay, I am mm-hmm. the one who has cancer. That's fine. How do I mm-hmm. live my life with this? Instead of the rebellion side of it, you know? And that's it. Mm-hmm. So he made a choice. He made a choice in his attitude in the situation. Mm-hmm. And did he have a mass? Yeah, in the end, he insisted there was none for him. He insisted it was for him. All the sick in the parish would have been his line, not for me, not for me. But his, his point was very much about um, once he chose in that situation, then he was in charge. Because, you know, again, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you, how you react to it. Yes, uh, that's for sure. And, you know, uh, it's all mindset, isn't it? And if you think that, you know, a lot of people say I'm busy, 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 um, but they're not because the brain tricks us into believing that we're using all of our time wisely. And we're not unless you record your day. Right. I mean, unless you start recording things of what you've done, you don't really know how much time it's taken you to to do things. No, not at all. Not at all. And the brain is, the brain is very untrustworthy. It's very <laughs> it is always, it's not to be trusted. <laughs> no, no. It has its own agenda an awful lot of the time. And it's not always got our best interest at heart. No. And that's why, uh, you know, some of your first words were you have to get into your heart and you've got to feel 
and listen to your heart, listen to, you know, your instincts about mm-hmm. things and the roommate in your head that's chattering and nattering to you all day, um, you know, that's not even uh, paying rent is the one that you probably should be very suspicious about. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's incredible how many people I come across in this coaching space who are stuck in a rut, don't know what to do, don't know what right. to do. Because the roommate in their head is saying, oh, we don't want to change. Like we're comfortable now, you know, oh, yeah. if we change, what might happen? What goes on? Oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Like what a risk, you know? And we always go, oh, that's grand. But what is your heart telling you to do? My heart says I have to change. Okay, so, so who, who are you going to listen to? Which voice is going to become louder over time? Mm-hmm. Who's going to win over the next couple of years? And in 10 years time, if you don't make that change, how are you going to feel then? What's your life going to look like then? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you do make a big change, you start to recognize things in your friends that you never saw before, and you believe they've changed, but they haven't changed. It's it's your view of them once you've changed, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think somebody said to me a good few years ago, Rhonda, I met them, I hadn't met them in years, and they said to me, you've changed. And I yes. Thought, thank, thank you. I hope I've changed. I haven't met you in years. If I was still the same, then I wouldn't be very happy with myself. You know, we're supposed to change. That's the point to life. Yeah, we're supposed to evolve, but a lot of people don't. And a lot of people are very comfortable where they are. And they're afraid of change because, and well, that there might be failure. If you change, there might be some failure along the way. And people have learned that failure or mistakes, um, are not a good thing, but the, that's how you grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the association with the, the fear of it and the association with how am I going to feel and the association with being judged about it, about why you do these things. Yes. It's very, I can think there's a, there's such deep rooted senses in herself around things like rejection. Um, yes. And like, if you look back to the history of humanity, if you got rejected, you know, anytime, in the last, you know, 10,000 years back to 2 million years, you were dead. You were gone from your tribe. You died. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Rejection has such a huge impact on us when it happens to us. So the idea of failure is the same kind of piece. So no wonder there's a fear there. No wonder it's so deeply ingrained in us because it's trying to, it is trying to protect us. In its, in its defense, it is trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it protects us so well that it holds us back. Right. Yeah, it can. And it does a lot of people. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Cymatrax. And today I'm speaking with Mark Carolyn. How many people reach out and contact you, Mark, if they want, wanted to have a coaching session? Because oh, I'm yeah. sure you also do Zoom, do you? I do, of course, do Zoom. Right. So unless um, a lot of your listeners are based over here in Ireland, but I do obviously just do Zoom. Yeah, I have clients in Australia and clients in America. So my hours are quite varied at times, Rhonda. Um, yeah, so people can find me on LinkedIn as Mark Carroll and Coaching. Um, quite easy to find there. You'll find me on Facebook as the same and sometimes on Instagram and even on TikTok the odd time. Um, and you'll also find me via Gmail at Coaching at gmail.com. There you go. So what extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? Well, that's a huge question. And I think it is, it's around the mindset piece, um, Rhonda. And I actually can see the changes and movements in my mindset over time, 
all the yeah. time. Right. Um, and even in the last couple of years on this journey into this world that I've changed into this becoming the becoming a professional public speaker and you know assimilating everything I've learned and studied in my life and actually getting to bring that back out but mm-hmm. the mindset change over time like the amount of imposter syndrome when I first started I just went for it but it didn't mean that I didn't suffer imposter syndrome it didn't mean that I was doubting myself and that I was wondering can I do this right that was 100 percent there it was 100 percent in where I was and then as I as I grow and as I do things and as I challenge myself and then suddenly I look at the imposter syndrome and it's not the same anymore right slightly new things slip into its place but I'm beginning to believe in myself a little bit more I begin to believe through the experience of what I can do and it's that change all the time and I and at this point I don't doubt myself and and I I shouldn't because I've got the experience and the testimonials to say that you can do what you do but you naturally doubt yourself until you get to that point but even a part of that too Rhonda is when I first started doing all this even telling people I was doing it was hard yeah saying it to people was hard right I was wondering how will I be judged for it what uh-huh. would they say to me you know, they say, why are you doing that why are you doing that and some people I met did say it to me but then a lot of people I met said that is the perfect thing for you to be doing yes the people who really know you right they would say that's just perfect for you right yeah yeah but you don't it doesn't it always happens to you that you still doubt yourself you still putting yourself out into the world and exposing yourself can be very difficult um, yes. so for me it's been lovely and, and and what i've learned too is i'm acknowledging the steps i'm a huge believer in acknowledging a threshold because in our lives you know as we go through life you know there's threshold at birth you know and and if you look at ireland as a, i suppose a christian country there's always maybe not for myself and my own kids but there's always baptisms and confirmations and communions and then there's oh, yes. engagements and marriage we mark all these things but sometimes we don't realize we need to mark the thresholds that happen in our own lives as well things would, would change like right. for me i would stop and you know go when i changed jobs i went up a mountain the day i finished i went up a mountain mm-hmm. marked the difference and I left my old world behind me on that mountain and walked back down. Going, that's my threshold. That's where I've left it. Now I'm gone. And right. it's really important to do that for yourself. So you know where you've come from before you can move on. Right. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's huge value in that for everybody, because especially given we all had a two years where everything melded into one small period with this. Yes. And that's right. And nothing, to, nothing to mark the difference and stuff. And we need to note these differences so we can see our life and see, see where we've got, come from. Mm-hmm. So my next question, I believe I know the answer, but I'd love you to articulate it is, do you feel you've been called to what you're doing right now? Absolutely, Rhonda, 100%. Uh, and had you asked me that question when I first started, I don't think I would have been able to say absolutely. Okay. I, I think so. Yes, I, said, I think this is what I should be doing. Um, so but now I don't have any doubts. I'm no doubt. Like I love I love what it probably comes across now. I talk. I absolutely love what I'm doing. Oh, you're passionate about it for sure. It's yeah. yes, it's coming through loud and clear for sure. You're shouting at us and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose I can't help it. So, yes, I feel absolutely called. Um, yes. Like I said, I mentioned earlier how I always I used to say I'd love to be able to motivate people. I'd love to be there, give them the chance to help people find the very best of themselves. And I'll tell you a very small story in that. And, and this has stuck, stuck with me for forever. Many years ago, I was, I was traveling the world and I, I think it was in, in Malaysia. I was off, off an island in Malaysia 
And there was a party one night. I managed to get a party going in some place and, you know, it was well done late into the night. And the next morning, I was back down in the little place and I was having a bit of food. And this girl comes over to me. She goes, oh, thank you so much, Mark. And I was like, why, why are you thanking me? She goes, oh, just what you said to me last night. I was, well, I, I'm really sorry. I don't remember saying anything to you last night. And she goes, well, I was standing there and I wasn't dancing. I was nervous. You come over to me and you said, why are you worried about what people think? You're here to enjoy yourself and don't worry uh-huh. about what anyone else thinks. Just go for it. And she said, you said that to me and I just did it. And it stuck with me. Maybe there's a bit of ego in it. I enjoyed the feeling that I got from telling her that, but it made me realise how the right words at the right time can change someone's life. Oh, yes. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. So when you talked about uh, walking the mountain and leaving that part of you on the mountain and coming back down again, you're actually talking about a mountain in Ireland. I am indeed. And so can you share with us the soul of Ireland? Oh, wow. Yeah, we have a beautiful, beautiful country here. And it is the soul of Ireland is a good way to put it. It is it is mystical. There is yes, I love that. Mystical, to, yes. Uh, there's a difference to this land. And you can feel it. I am from, so I live here on the East Coast. Uh, I live about 30 miles, um, about 40 kilometers north of Dublin. Um, I'm from the Midlands. I'm from a part of the country that the time moves slower. It moves mm-hmm. much slower. And it's just all hills and rolling hills. and They're called drumlins in Ireland. Okay. Um, and, and I love I love going home there. I love going back because of the peace of life and the peace you get from the land. And um, my favorite place in Ireland is probably along the west, out in the west, Connemara mm-hmm. um, and Achill, where it's the land is more rugged again. But you're you're looking out to the Atlantic. There's a wildness out there, and there's a sense that we're not there that long, and that the land is still looking down and it's going, "Oh, you're still here, are you, human?" <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're new to this world over here, you know, it's a very yeah. old island. There's a real feel for that here, like, and you feel it in the land. Mm-hmm. And, and you said mystical. How is it mystical? Does it have to do with the mist? And... Yeah, I think there's, there's a sense in the land sometimes. Like the, the, the mountain that I went down, is it a mountain? It's probably not a mountain in terms of a lot of places in the world, but in Ireland, we'd like to exaggerate the size of things here, you know, and it's uh, <laughs> probably just a large hill to a lot of people but um i I go up it every so often you know in maybe september time or so at about half five in the morning so we catch the sunrise mm-hmm. up there like and there's that sense of the world to yourself and that sense of you know this land was here before so this land will here be here afterwards you know and there seems, seems to be a sense of an early an early knowledge and a wisdom in the land uh-huh. uh, like we even have Newgrange is not too far from me. It's about 15, 20 minutes away. Newgrange is, is a 5,000 year old um, monument and it's older than the pyramids and it's a sundial in essence. And on oh. the 20th of December every year, the light shines in and lights up the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lovely gathering there actually on the 21st of December every year. People just gather for that, for that morning. Um, and there's that sense of something older than us that's there. And it's a lovely, lovely piece that you mm-hmm. find in this country. Beautiful. I love how you articulate um, how it feels in Ireland. It just makes you want to go there. It makes me want to go to Ireland. I've always wanted to go to Ireland, but listen to you talk about it makes me want to go even more. Um, you have a favorite author that I'd like to, I'd like to have you spend a little bit of time talking about uh, your favorite author, mm-hmm. who is oh. from Ireland, I believe. 
Yeah, I suppose maybe maybe John O'Donoghue would probably be right. Yes. Now, look, that's a tough question, Rhonda. If you catch me on a different day, I could list a million different authors that I might go with as my favorite, but I will definitely go with, with John O'Donoghue. Um, okay. His amazing works. Um, Anamkara is probably his best known book mm-hmm. um, in terms of popularity and global reach. He was a um, former priest, actually, and he left the priesthood and he is a very very a great theologian across a lot of different types of religion but also really in touch with Ireland and the spiritual sense of Ireland and I think the opening line of his of his book Adam Carroll mm-hmm. tells an awful lot about what to expect uh, it says um, it's strange to be here the mystery never leaves you alone which I think is a is a beautiful way to start mm-hmm. a journey mm-hmm mm-hmm and yeah and he's so poetic isn't he yeah oh completely naturally he has books of poetry he's from the Burren in Ireland another beautiful beautiful uh, landscape down in the, in the west of Ireland in County Clare and you feel that sense in him and he has that sense of slowness I know I yeah. talk very very fast but he's nice and slow and he lets you come in with the words and come into the story that he's telling you and come into the feeling that he's trying to give you and then um, his books are lovely they have a lovely way of understanding who we are and who we are as part of Ireland, who we are as part of our ancestors as well, and, and mm-hmm. how that is just as important um, as to where we live now, you know, as to who, how, what formed us and the people that formed us too. Um, and there's a lovely sense of that right throughout his works. Um, if anyone would like to check out something in particular, I'd recommend a poem called Banacht. It's um, that's an Irish word for blessing. It's B-E-A-N-N-A-C-H-T is how it's spelled. Mm-hmm. That's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful poem that really is about having a sense of yourself in the moment um, and just coming back to yourself and coming back to standing in the ground that you're standing on. It's just really lovely. Mm-hmm. I find his work is, uh, is it's very deep and it's easy to come back to it and read again or listen again. I have audio. Listen again and have a deeper meaning yet again when you mm-hmm. listen to his work or read his work. It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. That particular book, Anankara, Rhonda, I have been around it, been, been, been on that journey three times through it. And okay. every time, every time I read it, there's just it opens up and it's not that the book tells you anything more it's just that you're reflecting your own knowledge and experience and learning in a different way against his teaching so you have developed a little bit more so what you're encountering and experiencing is at a deeper level every single time and it really does that for you which I think is an amazing thing to say about any book Mm -hmm. yeah because sometimes I you know I'll reread something and I'm like how did I miss that and it has to do with uh, what has happened in your life between the last time you read something and the time that you're reading it right now. And or uh, maybe you're more enlightened as well. Yeah, I, I, and I'd like to think that you are. You know, I remember I read that book for the first time when I was probably 21 or 22 and I thought it was great. But I couldn't tell you why I thought it was great. I just thought, oh, this is great. There's good stuff yeah. in it. You know, what yeah. is it? I couldn't, have, I couldn't have articulated the depths of the knowledge that I was reading, the depths of, you know, beginning to understand who you are in the world, beginning to understand how 
your interior world is reflected outside you know if you mm-hmm. have peace and calm inside if you begin to get a real sense of who you are and a sense of yourself how that reflects back into the world around you and how you absorb the world around you if you don't know who you are as well mm-hmm. because a lot of people are searching I mean, the ones that don't want to change, as many as there, there are people who can't change, don't want to change, don't feel that they need to change, there are a lot of people searching. And they read many books, go to many conferences, and, and all sorts of things to try and tap into what they feel they're missing. And would you agree that it's reflecting back and maybe? settling in the heart and that is what might be missing there's a lot in that Rhonda there really is I think what's very interesting and and I cannot tell you the amount of times I've read the line that the the shortest journey is to the heart and it's the it's the longest journey to make and the hardest journey to make ah yes that's right and I I think too I think too on that like so many people are searching there's an industry around people searching these days if you go into a bookstore you know, the self-help bookshelf is as nearly as long as the, the fiction bookshelf at this point in terms of options. But if people would take the lessons that are there and actually start li- trying to live them and apply them instead of always looking externally for the answers, because that's what we do. We tend to try and you know not take the responsibility and look externally for something that's going to solve the problem. But you're only ever going to solve the problem yourself. That's the only place you'll solve the problem. And you're going to need to bring that back into yourself and start de- dealing with yourself and doing your work. And once you do your work, and away you go, the life world opens up for you. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading books and they said that, you know, you need to go inside, you need to listen to what's inside. But where I thought, well, where do I go? Like, do I continue to court my brain? You know, but where is it? And, and was my searching and that that's exactly where I, I ended up was in my heart. And it was in my heart that I felt the most that I fell in love really uh, with the person I should have been in love with all, all the way along. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely Rhonda. Like, and that's a lovely way to put it. I was focused on, on kind of self-care. And one of the points I'm always making is who's your best friend. And I'll ask the people who their best friend is and people are like, Oh, my partner or my wife, you know, or my parent or, you know, my friend or yes, no, you're all wrong. Like every one of you is wrong. That can't be your best friend because mm-hmm. the only person that you will be with for your entire life and that you started with is yourself. And if it you're not yourself. your own best friend, then then you're not helping yourself at all. Ah, beautifully put. Yeah, there you go, listeners. There you have it right there. That's a wonderful way to wrap up the show. Is there anything uh, that you would like to talk about that I have not asked you? Well, that's a very open-ended question, Rhonda, and your show probably has to stay within the limits of five hours, so I don't know if that's the best to go to. Um, I, I suppose, look, at, I, as I said, like the learnings that I'm getting, like, uh, as a person who's coaching, um, yes. what I find in this space is that every time I meet someone, because it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to, to be coaching, but it's also a privilege, because in our lives, we meet mm-hmm. people all the time in life, we meet a facade we meet who they portray we meet the person Ah, they're pretending to be in the coaching space I get to meet a whole person because they don't need to hide because there's no judgment for me I don't care what you say I don't care 
how what 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 you've done i only care how that affects you i only care what that means for you so that means that i get to see a whole person and in doing that Mm -hmm. i am constantly getting truth i'm constantly getting lessons and stuff that i need to learn from and so if i was to say to your listeners at all i say like you know it's there you know yourself how you are the answers are within everybody mm-hmm. like some of them come into me in the coaching space i was working with a company and they got a free coaching session through the company and they said don't know what i want and i said don't worry we'll find it we'll start talking and we'll find it because it's in there and we always find it we, oh. there's never a session where you don't find it because it's there and it's going to come out if you let us so for everyone they have all the answers inside them if they're just willing to look that's fantastic advice it's, I knew it was going to be fun. I knew this was going to be so informative and uh, we could probably talk for a long time about this. It's been such a pleasure and an honor and privilege to have you on the show. And I, I look forward to more conversations with you, Mark. You're an incredible man and you're such a role model for people who may be doing something that they just don't feel that they're ignited, their soul's not ignited with that uh, they might start uh, contemplating what they might like to do. So I really commend you for that. And also to tell our listeners that with because of the pandemic, Zoom has, has opened up the whole world to everyone. You may take a coaching call with, with Mark, even though he's in Ireland. It's just fantastic. It's opened everything up. So I'd like to thank you very much for being on the Rhonda Grant show. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Rhonda. It's been an hour. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend, John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.